Good morning, church. Happy New Year. Yeah. What better way to ring in this New Year than the presence of our God? Can we lift up his name in his house today? Give him glory. Yeah. I saw Satan fall like lightning. I saw darkness run for cover. But the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. Thank God for that. I believe in signs and wonders. I have resurrection power. Yes, I do. Still the miracle that I just can't get over, my name is registered in heaven. Yes, my praise belongs to you forever. You believe that would you lift us up today? Hey. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify by Jesus Christ the righteous. I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Hey. Story. Come together, sons and daughters, bought with blood and washed in water. Sing the praises of the Spirit, Son and Father. Our God will finish what He started. Can we sing that again? It's our God will finish what He started. Yeah. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. But Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Yeah. Oh. Well, let it be a story. Can we lift this up today, church? If I'm not there, you're not done. Because we believe it. The greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not there, you're not done. Praise you, Lord. Yes. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. If I'm not there, you're not done. Oh. Greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe if I'm not dead, you're not done. If you believe that, would you see? The greater things are still to come. Oh, I believe. Yes. Can we lift this up as this church this morning? This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. Oh, I'm alive. This is my testimony from death to life. Cause grace rewrote my story. I'll testify. By Jesus Christ the righteous, I'm justified. This is my testimony. This is my testimony. Yeah. Let it be our story, Jesus. Let 
your victory win over all Jesus. We'll let it be our testimony. Hallelujah. Church, can we give him praise in this place for his victory? Hallelujah. You see, his presence is here. Search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty praise and treasures that fade are never enough. Then you came along and put me back together. And every desire is now satisfied here in your love. Oh, there's nothing better than you. There's nothing better than you, Lord. There's nothing, nothing is better. To show you my weakness, my failures and flaws, Lord, you've seen them all, and you still call me Cause the God of the mountain is the God of the valley, and there's not a place your mercy.
rebuke and her grace. Remind us that the battle's already won. Yeah. The weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. When the darkness falls, it won't prevail. That's right. The God I serve knows only how to triumph. My God will never fail. If you believe that, would you tell him that again today? And my God will never fail. Who proclaim this truth? That I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the battle belongs to you, Lord, yes. I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. For the Turn it for good. You turn it. 
See, our God is faithful. And just like when Jesus put death in its place, we have faith that our God is working in that same power even today. You know, church, we can look back on these last two years with a bleak veil over our eyes. But even the word of God says this in the book of Isaiah. It says, remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so in this new year, would you enter it with a heart of trust towards a faithful God? Because he is for you. Church, would you pray with me today? Lord, we know that you are faithful. We know that you are good. You've given us life. You've given us love as the children of God. You are with us on our best days, and you carry us through our worst days. You protect us. You guide us. Please continue to show us how you are bringing forth victory in our lives. Please continue to show us how you're bringing forth victory in the lives of those around us. And would you help us to focus on our future with you and to be a witness to your holy word. Yes, Jesus, we pray this in your mighty name. Amen. You see, church, a lot of people look to a new year as a, as a time to start over, as a clean slate. to make the New Year's resolutions. We sing old Lang Syne. But you know, this clean slate with Jesus is available to you, not every new year, but every morning it is available to you. This is a good place to be to kick off the new year. Amen. Well, hey, welcome to church today. We're family. Would you turn to those around you? Make them feel welcome and say, uh, hey, I haven't seen you since last year. team uh let me tell you something my wife every time we watch a movie my wife and i didn't tell her i was going to say this so she's watching the online service i might be in trouble later but every time we watch a movie my wife uh especially if it's one we haven't seen my wife will look up how it ends and <laughs> she won't tell me because she knows better now but i just that is not my philosophy when watching a movie but let me tell you something singing i'm gonna see a victory and knowing that God has victory over the things in my life that I struggle with, man, that brings so much rest to my heart. And every time I sing that song, I think about how maybe, maybe my wife might be, might be onto something, at least in, in some respect. And, and that just brings so much rest to my soul, singing that, I'm going to see a victory. 
My name is Brent. I'm one of the pastors here at MRCC. I hope you had an awesome Christmas. I hope you spent some great time with family. I haven't seen you guys since last year. I can't believe it. Um, there we go. There's the obligatory joke. And for Christmas this year, I got a Leatherman multi-tool. And so A, now I'm a real man. And B, the past week I've spent going around seeing how many things that normally require other tools I can fix with just this. And let me tell you, I think I've broken more things than I've fixed by trying to be as inefficient as possible. But I want to know the capabilities of my Leatherman now. So I keep it with me a lot of the time, and I feel really cool having it on my hip. And I really want it to get all beat up so it looks like I've used it a lot. So I'm trying to use it on everything. I hope you got something awesome for Christmas, even if that, that awesome thing is spending time with family. That was the best part of my Christmas, was spending time with those that I love. It's always my favorite time of the year. Just a few announcements for us this morning before we get to hear God's word. First of all, thank you online for joining us. If you're there online, uh, a lot of these things that I'm going to be announcing have online signups. In fact, all of them do. So if you are interested in any of these, you can find them at mrccnow.org online. The first one is winter camp, and I am super excited about winter camp for the youth this year. Let me tell you, two of my favorite things, snow and Jesus, mixed together, right? Snow and Jesus mixed together is always a good time, uh, even if I scrape my hand up on the sledding hill, even if I go off a jump and I end up, like, bruising some part of my body. It's always a great time. It's always an awesome chance to get away from it all and to get with Jesus and have him speak to our hearts. Winter camp is going to be amazing this year. It is going to be January 15th through the 17th. You can sign up online if you have kids or grandkids that you want to get signed up for that. It's going to be amazing. You're not going to want to miss it. The second thing is we have baptisms coming up as well. And those are going to be on January 23rd. Again, you can sign up online for that or see one of the pastors out in the lobby. Let them know uh, you're not going to want to miss that. If you want to take that next step in your faith, if you want to publicly declare your love for Jesus, what he's done in your life, our baptisms are going to be on January 23rd. And then last but not least, our grow groups are kicking back off. Those are going to be kicking off on January 16th, and if you want to get involved, get plugged into a group, or maybe you feel called to host a group at your home or even lead uh, the, the discussion of a group, you can also sign up for that. We have a sign-up sheet in the foyer by the front doors there, as well as uh, online on our homepage. But the most convenient way that you can sign up is there's a little QR code on the seat back in front of you, and through that, you can actually get connected to a lot of different things. You can join a group. You can join one of our teams here at MRCC. Uh, it just gives you a lot of info. That is the easiest way for you to get connected with us and get signed up. So uh, that is awesome. Without further ado, open your Bibles to Mark, and Pastor Darius is going to bring the word this morning. Thanks, dude. I, uh, first of all, I saw the pouch for Brent's Leatherman. I thought I was pepper spray. Seemed like an appropriate thing. I have an inhaler, so pepper spray would absolutely kill me. Also, I cut all the jokes out of my sermon while Brent was doing the announcements because you didn't laugh at his, so it's going to be a very dry morning. <laughs> you brought this on yourself. Um, there's a couple of things that are very important that we do need to do this morning. Um, my name is Darius. I'm super, super blessed to be part of the team at MRCC, to be part of the church at MRCC. I love you guys. I love this church. Uh, I love, what I really love is seeing people come to know Jesus and see how loving, how healing he is. 
that excites me. I also love to see people who know Jesus get changed and transformed and healed by Jesus, primarily because it makes me feel like I'm not alone, because I need Jesus a lot more than most people. So when I see other people that also need Jesus, I feel like we're in this together. So I love being a part of this church and seeing God do that stuff. I want to take a moment really quick before I get into the scripture and stuff for this morning, uh, just to pray, because there are several people just from our team at MRCC who've been sick, different people with different stuff, um, a board member uh, who's going home from the hospital soon, uh, our finance guy, Michael, who is coming home from the hospital today, which is really, really cool. Michael's like a 1,000 years old, so that's good. <laughs> he would love that joke, so don't act, okay? He would love that joke. He looks like he's 50, and he's 99, so. Um, and then also our associate kids pastor, Janae. And Janae is in the hospital right now, um, and she's, she's fighting hard and doing good. Uh, but, you know, it's a back-and-forth battle. And um, she's been on oxygen and off oxygen. And, man, we are so thankful for Janae. If you know Janae, if you got a chance to meet her, if your kids have spent time with her, you know what a special person she is. So we're, you know, excited because she's doing well. She's doing increasingly well. But also we want her home from the hospital soon. Knowing that there's just some people from our team who are sick makes me think, you know, my, my older brother had COVID right before Christmas. So I've got people in my family who've been sick, people at work who've been sick. I'm assuming that you have some of the same stuff. And I just want to, I want to remind us and remember that, you know, this is our new normal. Our new normal is, you know, waves and it's precautions and it's things get good and they get bad and they get good. And we take small steps forward, but um, it's kind of like marriage. Not for you guys, for the other people. Um, but unfortunately, we are hitched to this new normal. And um, we believe that we have a Savior, that when we turn our eyes on him, all other things pale in comparison to the goodness of his love, his healing love, his kindness, and his glory. And so this morning, I want to pray. I want to pray for people who are sick. I want to pray for people. Some of you spent Christmas separated from your loved ones. Some of you spent, uh, you know, the, the holidays not being able to spend time with people that you love because people are sick or because you're anxious. Some of you have just spent the holidays, and some of you are watching online right now. You've been anxious for three years, and you, you're anxious now, and you had to, you were just anxious over the holidays. Man, I, one, I want to invite God to turn our eyes on him. I don't know if you've heard that old song, it's so powerful, to turn our eyes on Jesus, that this world will become dim and fade away in the glory and the goodness and the majesty of heaven and Christ will be magnified. And also, I want to rally cry that our God is not finished. He was not surprised by the season that we're in. He has not been slowed down or stopped by COVID. We have a missions team right now that's in Africa, that's serving people and in, in, in meeting needs and God's mission is going forward and his gospel is being heard and his healing is happening and no sickness or illness or world issue can stop the fact that we have a good God who has been faithful forever and is not planning on stopping soon. So I want to encourage us and I want to pray. Uh, God, we lift up Pastor Greg, who is um, quarantining right now because he's been exposed to sick people. We lift up Janae in the hospital. We lift up Michael, who's coming home today. Praise you. We lift up George on the board, who is, who is still recovering. We lift up every person in this room who's 
dealing with the anxiety and the fear and the pressure of everything. God, I pray right now for people in the room who once again, at the beginning of a new year, feel the pressure, feel the anxiety of the expectation. What's going to happen this year? And God, we pray that you will bring healing. God, we pray that you would bring endurance, that we would run this race, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and run with endurance the race that's set before us. Only and only by fixing our eyes on the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the risen Savior, the glorified Son of God, Jesus. So we glorify you, we lift you up, God, and we know that you are still working. You're bringing peace in an anxious season, and you're bringing healing even in bodies right now. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. We are going to jump into the Bible this morning into Mark chapter 9. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and open it up. Um, you know, what's cool about church is that you, especially a church like this, you never know whether the person next to you has ever even opened a Bible before. And so, um, you know, if you don't have a Bible, that's totally fine. I'm going to read it for you. If you have it, go ahead. You can read it with me. Um, you read along as I read it. It's Mark chapter 9, and we're going to read verses 2 through 9. I don't think I gave the media people all the right stuff, so it might not all be on the screen, but just try to listen as I read this. Last disclaimer, okay? This is a really cool piece of the Bible. Okay. Sorry, what I mean by that is I might get really excited about this scripture as we're reading it. I might want to explain a couple things. This is a really, really cool part of the inspired word of God that's living and active. And so, uh, man, I'm just like really excited about this. Okay, Mark chapter 9, verse 2. Now, after six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John. And he led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow. That's Brent's two favorite things mixed together. Such as no launderer on earth can whiten them. And then here's what happens. And then in, in verse 4, Elijah appeared with them. So there's Peter, James, and John. They're on the mountain with Jesus. And then all of a sudden, boom, Elijah, who died several, several hundred years ago, boom, Elijah's there. Appeared to them with Elijah's good old buddy, Moses. They weren't good old buddies. They were alive in different centuries. Moses is there, Elijah's there, Jesus is there, and we're going to get into this in a minute, but the fact that Moses and Elijah appear in this moment, that God allows Moses and Elijah to appear in this moment is so profound because it says something about who Jesus is. And man, every piece of the scripture that you read, if, if, if you've been reading scripture and you're not sure how to interpret it, I remember when I was in high school and God really got a hold of me for like the first time, really got a hold of me. And I started reading the Bible and I would just read and read and read the Bible. And I remember like Jesus was just weird to me and didn't make sense all the time. And I was like, this guy's cool, but he's crazy too, right? The cool thing about scripture is this. If you're ever having a hard time interpreting it, scripture is always saying something to reveal God, to point to Jesus specifically. And the great thing about that is it's always pointing to Jesus and the glorification of Jesus is how deeply, heavily, and 
completely over-the-top Jesus loves us. That's what this is pointing to. It is foreshadowing here with Moses and Elijah how much Jesus loves us, how good his love for us is. So, sorry, pick it up in verse 5. Then Peter answered, <laughs> Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be there, here. <laughs> Let us make three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Okay, I'm, gonna, I'm not, not going to interrupt a whole lot more while we read this, but to recap this, Peter's, Peter's one of the biggest goobers in all of the Bible, and maybe history. But he's also like a really cool guy. Peter's like, he's kind of like a biker. Like if you read the Bible and you're reading about Peter, just imagine like a, just a big burly dude with really hairy forearms and like a leather vest on. And he just like kind of says what's on his mind and he just gets excited like kind of quickly about things because, because here's what happens. Jesus takes Peter, James, and John up to a mountain. They see some of what is inside Jesus, some of the glory of Jesus. It makes itself known, which we'll talk about this later. That's a crazy miracle on a whole other level. Some of the glory of God is revealed in Jesus. And Peter's response is this. It's pretty good to be here. That's cool. And then he goes, you know what we should do? We should build a few tabernacles. Yeah, tabernacles is what we need. Let's build some tabs. And so, and so in, verse, uh, in verse 6, it says, because Peter did not know what to say because he was really afraid. So Jesus' glory becomes revealed, and Peter goes, okay, cool, cool, cool. Tabernacles, you guys want to build this? I'm glad. This is good. I'm glad we're here. Anyway. In verse 7, it says, And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice from heaven came out of the cloud. God's voice saying, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Suddenly, in verse 8, When they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. Again, this is a powerful moment. Verse 9. Now, as they came down from the mountain, Jesus commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. Really quick, to rewind a week before this, six days before this, Jesus, for the first time in the book of Mark, for the first time in the book of Mark, Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to die, he's going to be crucified, and that they're probably all going to be crucified too. That they're all going to be, they're, they're all going to die with him. So they spent the last six days mourning and grieving and hurting. Six days, and then Jesus takes three of the people who are the most needy, <laughs> Peter and James and John. If you read the book of John, John is always like trying to lay on Jesus' chest. I've, I've been a youth pastor, so like I, I, I've done a lot of youth ministry, so I know what that's like. Okay, man, I like you too. Peter's crazy. James, he's just like always with them. And they're hurting because they're like, Jesus is going to die. He takes the three of them up there. And he says, don't tell anyone about what's happened until I've been resurrected. This whole thing is like mind-blowing for Peter and James and John. God, thank you so much for your word. God, we pray that it would just speak hope, healing, joy, and resurrection into hearts and lives today. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.
All right, um, really quick, I want to I talk a little bit about transformers because this word transfigured is here in Scripture. In, uh, in Mark chapter 9, it says Jesus was transfigured before them. And so this is an opportunity for me to talk about another thing that I like, which is transformers. So when I was a kid, uh, we would get these toys called transformers. And um, my wife and I had a conversation about it. And we were like, well, does everyone know what transformers are? Like some people... Maybe they weren't around at the same time as Transformers, younger or older. Uh, Transformers are toys that transform. You're welcome. And so you get the toy, and the toy, the toy was advertised to look like this, okay? That looks like a pretty sweet toy. For me, I was all about making toys punch each other. Um, my wife could, like, fix anything. Like, I never played with Legos as a kid. Um, like, the only reason I used Legos was to, like, make a wall that, like, one superhero could punch another superhero through with Legos. I always wanted some guy that looked like this. And so I'd ask for a Transformer, and this is what I was asking for. And then what I got was usually something that looked like this. So you can see the expectation versus reality there. There's a pretty big gap. The first guy looks like he can do kung fu. The second guy looks like he's in a straitjacket. And that's just how they marketed it, and that's what you got when it came. And then on top of that, on top of that, like, my expectation as a kid was actually that it would end up looking like this because I have a big imagination. Definitely none of the toys looked like that. None of them could do that thing there. And so I would get them, and I would try to transform them, and it would just be an absolute mess because I, like, I don't have um, nimble fingers. I don't have steady hands. If I was a surgeon and someone, like, <laughs> needed, like, some kind of stitch in their forearm, we'd just, like, cut the whole arm off, like, with us. I'd just be like, hey, guys, I can't. My fingers are too shaky. And so... When I had a transformer, I would get so frustrated because I would be trying to fix it and change it. And, and I had this one that was supposed to turn from a dude into a cheetah. So cool. And so I would try to transform the dude into the cheetah. But I was like a young man. I was like maybe 10 years old. But I was also very much a man because I did not read the instructions for the transformer. They, like, came in the box with, like, a full sheet of, like, 99 steps to make this thing transform. And I would just be like, sweet, cool. And I would look at a couple pictures and be like, yep, starts as a dude, ends as a cheetah, done. And then I would start trying to squeeze pieces into place. And I would start flipping pieces into place because I felt like it should be, like, natural, like the nuance of getting it to transform, that it should be kind of like an artwork. And so what would happen is I would get everything, like the guy would go like this, and then he was supposed to be kind of shaped like this. And as I got things shaped into his body, there were just parts sticking out everywhere. <laughs> Looked like a cheetah with just like arms coming out of it. And so I would squeeze the parts together and just try to crush it together so that the thing would work. You can imagine what happens when you do that is the parts just break. You squeeze them hard and then parts just snap off. And so I'd be stuck with a cheetah that transformed into a dude who <laughs> was like a paraplegic. And so his arms had all fallen off while I was transforming him. And it was very frustrating Sometimes transformation in life is frustrating because you can't squeeze yourself into a transformation. 
You can't make it work on your own. You can't, you can't manhandle the pieces of your life into the right place so that your heart can be transformed from, from despair to joy, so that your life can be transformed from messy to clean, so that your, your addictions can be transformed from bad habits to good habits. Transformation, it doesn't happen like that. If you ask anyone who's been through recovery, it doesn't happen by squeezing tighter and holding tighter and, and slamming things into place more. Jesus invites his people into transfiguration, though, into transformation. And I believe that we have a God who is good and faithful to begin what he started and to transform. Man, I don't know if this is you today, but I need this so bad. I need Jesus' transformation in my life so bad. I need him to change me, to move me, to mold me, to hold me, and to make me into something new. Not just once, but every day. The first thing is this, is that Jesus' transformation is a personal invitation. Jesus' transformation is a personal invitation. Here's what happens with Jesus and Peter and James and John. Is Jesus decides that he's going to go up to this mountain. Him and the Father and the Holy Spirit decide that he's going to go up to this mountain and he's going to be transfigured. And what happens is he invites three of his disciples to go up with him. What's cool about this to me is, is, is really funny. If you've read the Gospels and you know a little bit about the Gospels, Peter and James and John are constantly alone with Jesus. So like these three guys, if you didn't know, they're constantly doing stuff with Jesus, like Jesus and these three dudes. And a first take reading through the Gospels, you would read this and you would think, okay, so Jesus, like he knows what he's doing. He kind of picks favorites and like he's allowed to do that. He totally is. Like he likes my wife more than he likes me. It's obvious. Jesus, and, and so the first read through, you would read it like that. Peter and James and John are on Jesus, in Jesus' inner circle. And there, there might be something to that because like Peter goes on to become a cornerstone father in the church. James goes on to be a martyr. John goes on to write a gospel that's in canonized scripture in your Bible. Like these three guys have very fruitful lives. So his investment paid off. However, there's also something else. I read a commentary this week, and they said lots of scholars read this and say one of the reasons Jesus is most likely to take Peter and James and John with him all the time is because they're the three dudes most likely to get in trouble while he's gone. Like if Jesus leaves, Peter, James, and John are on the campfire with the other nine dudes, it's going to be a blazing forest fire when he gets back. What happened? I don't know, dude. We were like using an aerosol can and like we were like trying to make the flames huge. Okay, Peter, you're demoted. Like that's, they can't leave them alone for two seconds. And if you look at it, it bears out. Like John is immature and needy. James is always doing like whatever Peter, <laughs> whatever Peter tells him to do, which I just think is really great. And Peter has all these dumb ideas and James is like, yeah, oh yeah, the aerosol can. Why did I think of that? And, and there's just Peter. And it's interesting because I think sometimes our take on, on Jesus's invitation is that once I make it to the echelon of the inner three, then I'll be invited somewhere with Jesus. 
if I, if, I get, if I get some of this figured out or if I have more experience or if I know my Bible more or, or once my life is a little bit more put together or, or once, once I've got like a little bit more healing or, or I've done more therapy or, or things are looking better or, or I can make a good impression, then, then I'm going to make it. I'm going to be more intimate with Jesus. I'm going to know God deeper. I'm going to know God better. And God's going to invite me into a deeper place with him. But this story actually kind of provides some evidence to the contrary that because Peter and James and John are so messed up and so needy, Jesus says, the three of you need me more than anyone else. So the three of you need to come with me. Peter, because you're gonna despair, because you know and you're afraid of me dying, I need you to come with me. James, because you're lost don't know who to follow, I need you to come with me. John, because you're needy and you're emotional, I need you to come with me. And here with me in this moment, you're gonna experience something that's gonna change you forever. I just wanna encourage you today, if that's you and you're in the same boat as me, if you're a Peter, a James, or a John, you're too needy, you're too frustrated, you're too rash, you don't make decisions well, you don't have all your stuff together, and sometimes you have no idea what's going on, and you're like Peter, you're just like, should I cut someone's ear off? I don't know what I should do. Then God is inviting you into the intimate, deep place with him. He's not waiting for you to get it figured out so that you can be on the board of the church. He's saying, come with me now and take a walk up somewhere where you can experience something that will leave you speechless. That's the God that loves us. The God that sends a personal invitation to broken, bruised, busted, messed up people like Peter and James and John. It says, if you want more from me, man, I just want to encourage you today. If you want more from Jesus, if you need more from Jesus, don't try to squeeze it into place. Take the next step of just walking with Jesus and wake up tomorrow and say, God, I need you today. Take me on a walk with you and he will do it. But if you're stuck in a rut saying, well, what's next? I've had all the transformation. I've figured it all out. God has already given me all the information. Can I tell you what, in, in Psalm 42, David nails it. In Psalm 42, the psalmist says, like a deer is thirsty for a river, my soul is dying of thirst for God. It says, my soul thirsts for God, for the living God. And he says, when, when, when can I come and appear before you, God? Man, if that's you today and you are burnt out, tired, hungry, thirsty, broken, grieving, messed up, Jesus is saying, come to me and I'll give you rest. Come to me and you can drink. If your soul is thirsty, don't wait. Just come with me today. Jesus' transformation is a personal invitation. The second thing is this. The second thing is that, God's glory inspires and demands response. God's glory, it, it demands that we respond to him. And I don't mean like it's imperative like you have to or you're gonna be in trouble. I mean like you can't help it. I was in the grocery store a couple months ago and I saw the weirdest thing I think I've probably ever seen in the grocery store. And I'm walking down an aisle and I'm kind of in one section <laughs> Uh, my ADHD is pretty pretty strong, like my kung fu. And so, um, yeah, I said it. And so I sometimes walk around the same area of the grocery store like 15 times looking for the molasses. 
And uh, then I find out it's on the other side of the store. So I'm like walking, I'm circulating this side of the store. I'm just kind of running this part of the store, just owning it. And I'm not a nosy person. I usually have my, my earbuds in, like Airbud, the golden retriever. And I've got Air, the AirPods in. And I'm usually just ignoring everyone around me. Um, so if you see me in the store and I'm not paying attention to you, it's because I'm listening to worship music or Billy Preston. And so I saw this lady down the aisle and this lady down the aisle, I'm minding my own business, I've got my AirPods in, and I see this lady down the aisle, there's one lady with like a two-year-old little boy in her basket. I don't have kids, so he could have been two or 12, I don't really know. And um, <laughs> he was probably two. And then farther down the aisle, behind her, is this lady that looks like she's a lion stalking her prey. <laughs> She passes out of the aisle and then comes back, I kid you not, comes back into the aisle like this. And I was like, holy smokes, this woman back here is a hitman, and she's been hired to kill this woman in the grocery store. I was like, I don't want to get in the way of that. Far be it for me to interrupt someone when they're working. So I circulate a couple more times, and I, I, see on a diff, I see on a different aisle, same woman, same two or 12-year-old kid, and same lioness stalking her. And I was like, oh, God, I'm going to get out of here quick. So finally, I'm making my, my last round. I finally found the molasses, and I'm on my way out of the grocery store towards my QFC, towards the self-checkout there at the QFC in town. And uh, as I'm passing the aisle again, another aisle that they're on, and I head for the self-checkout, I hear them start screaming. But it's screams of, like, joy and excitement. And I look over, and they're crying and screaming and hugging. And they're both, like, looking at the boy, looking at each other, looking at the boy and touching the boy's face. And the boy's like, huh? And... They're like, these two women are just ecstatic. And I was like, okay, well, no one got murdered. That's good. And so I'm at the self-checkout. And I, I just was like, I was moved by this because it was beautiful. Like these two women saw each other and whatever was happening, they were so excited to see each other. They could not, they couldn't help but respond. And they weren't the kind of people that are like loud and obnoxious in a grocery store. Those are my people. And they weren't those kind of people. I could tell, right? You know what kind of people I'm talking about. And... So as I'm checking out, the woman with her little boy is actually comes and gets right next to me in the, the next self-checkout lane. And I take my AirPod out, and I ask, like, I'm so sorry to be nosy, but, you know, with the crazy, it's been a crazy year, crazy last season, and uh, that was just beautiful. So I was just really moving. I don't know what happened, but I just wanted to tell you, like, whatever happened with you guys, I'm excited for you. I'm happy for you. And she explained to me really quickly that this this woman, the one that was doing the stalking, she had moved to North Carolina years ago, like 15 years ago, if I remember right. And they'd kind of kept in touch, but not like deeply. But they, had, they used to be like best friends. And this woman from North Carolina had moved back into town, had not told her yet. And the woman, when she saw, when they saw each other, they didn't even recognize each other because it had been so long. They didn't even recognize, and they're wearing masks, right? And so when they recognized each other and they saw each other, 
the glory of the moment was overwhelming and they could not stop responding to each other. They could not stop responding to the moment. And they're crying and they're in tears. And as the woman's telling me this, I'm so moved. And it just immediately made me think of the way that I'm moved to response when I see the glory of God and the goodness and the love of God. When I realize and recognize and remember, man, I don't know if you have seasons where you forget how much God loves you. If, when you forget that God's been there, when you forget that God's working in your favor, when you forget that God loves you and he's working all things together for the good of those who love him, when you forget that God saved you and he rescued you from hell and he put you here and he's got you here and he's taking care of you here and he's not done with you here and whatever struggle you're facing, he's already on the other side of it and he knows intimately the pain that you're feeling and he knows the divisive that you felt and he knows what you're going through and he's there in the midst of it healing and working and when I remember that it inspires an absolute genuine response of God you're so good and then I'm in my kitchen I'm on my knees and my hands are up and I'm just worshiping God and saying God how could you have brought me here I'm so broken I'm so messed up I've made so many mistakes I used to do so much dumb stuff I still do so much dumb stuff and you love me and care for me and you provided for me, and you're not done with me. And that moment is the moment that Peter and James and John have when they see the glory of God. I just want to talk about the glory of God for a second because it's a beautiful thing. This implicit here in this story is the glory of God being made manifest in the body of Jesus. And the greatest miracle is not that like the glory of God is seen, on Jesus. The greatest miracle is when you think about it, that the glory of God is housed in the body of Jesus and it has been contained every moment from conception to birth all the way to 33 years old. The full glory of God is contained in the body of Jesus. And in this one moment, God, God lets just a shimmer of it of the resplendent beauty and majesty of the love of God be shown to Peter and James and John. And Peter goes, oh, it's good to be here. And he's speechless because God's so good. The glory of God, it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. And in the, in the Old Testament, they had, this, they had this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. And, and that's where God would house uh, a uh, expression of his glory. And they carried this ark around with them for centuries. They put it in their capital. They kept it in their tent when they were homeless. When they were a homeless nation, the Israelites, the Ark of the Covenant was their reminder that God cared for them. When they were in exile, the Ark of the Covenant was a reminder that God was not finished with them. When they built, their, when they built their, their, their capital city, it was a reminder that God had brought them there from nothing. Inside this box, this Ark of the Covenant, to symbolize the glory, the manifest presence of God, there are three things. One was the Ten Commandments, so the law. That's Moses' part. And these Ten Commandments were, were held in, in the Ark of the Covenant. The second thing was a jar of bread, of manna bread, that they'd kept from when they were in the wilderness and God had miraculously provided bread for them. And the third thing was a, a staff that Moses' uh, brother-in-law Aaron had and God made it miraculously uh, sprout uh, and, and have life 
so literally the, the metaphor here is a dead stick disconnected from any tree. Dead sticks don't have life. Darius was a dead stick before God found me and rescued me and grabbed me out of the clutches of Satan and put life in dry bones. That's what the dead stick represents. And that's the glory of God being manifest through Jesus. The law, which 2 Corinthians chapter 3 calls the law of death, it says, but even in the law of death, there was glory. Even though it was not permanent, there was glory because it revealed the goodness and the mercy of God. But if that had glory, it says in 2 Corinthians 3, how much more will what is permanent have glory? The, the jar of the manna representing Jesus as the bread of life. In John, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Anyone who receives me will have eternal life. In the stick that's been given life, Jesus and Johnny says, I am the true vine. I'm the true tree. Anyone who's rooted and planted in me will have life and bear fruit. All three of these things are the manifestation of, this is Jesus manifesting the glory of God. And here's what the glory of God is. The glory of God is his love for his people. The glory of God is his love for me and you. There's nothing that displays the glory of God more than the fact that he loves me and you. Broken people like Peter and James and John so much that he invites us into a secret, intimate, private place where we can know him and he can know us and he can be our friend. John 15, 15 says, and our father. <laughs> and we can have everything that he wants to give us. The glory of God is, is beautiful because the glory of God is found most often in hurting and brokenness. Because Jesus says, people who are whole and healthy and healed and have everything they need, they don't need a savior. See, the hardest place to be for a Christian, for a person, is not the, the, the hard-hearted person who says, I don't want anything to do with God. More often than not, the people who say, I don't want anything to do with God, I hate God. So often, those people are on the precipice of breaking and saying, I actually need God so much, but I'm mad because I don't see him. The people on the other side are saying, I just need God desperately, and I know I need God, and I don't always know how to get to God, but I need God so much. The people in the middle, though, are, it's such a hard place to be for us, and I feel like I get there way too often, where I think, yeah, God, but what's next? What, what else do you have? The glory of God is shown, not on the people who say, yeah, I've got it. I've been transformed. What's, what's the next thing? The glory of God is shown. There's, there's, two kids I know from MRCC and a couple years ago, they're little kids, and a couple years ago, their dad just left and moved away. I saw them during the holidays. No idea where their dad is. No idea why the person who's supposed to take care of them would abandon them. No idea what they did to be punished like this. And the glory of God rests so fully on those kids because where there is a need for Jesus, he shows up 
And I sit and I pray with these kids, and, we, and I see Jesus give them joy week after week when I see them. And in the midst of pain and brokenness, God gives you, this is so important that the glory of God is revealed in, in pain and hurt and brokenness. Like Peter and James and John, who six days prior have found out that their hero is going to die. They found out six days prior their hero Jesus is going to go to the cross. And they're hurting and they're wounded and they're saying, God, why would you leave us? What? But we don't want to have to deal with this pain. And the glory of God shows up and is revealed to these three guys to tell them, hey, I know that you're mourning and you're grieving, but when you're mourning and grieving, my glory will rest on you. And when you are a nation that has need, my glory will rest on you. And when you're a household that is broken, my glory will rest on you. And when you've been abandoned, my glory will rest on you. And when you are depressed, my glory will rest on you. And when you're mentally ill, my glory will rest on you. I will be the fulfillment of the law to take the pain that you had to take. I'll be the jar of bread proving myself the sustainer of you continually. I'll be the stick of life that transplants dead things into living places. This is the glory of God. And it elicits response, meaning when we experience the glory of God and see how much healing God will bring deep in our heart and in every other area of life, how much love God will pour out and lavish on us, then, man, the glory of God, it makes us respond. I know it looks different, so I'm not trying to make you feel like you need to raise your hands more in church because there's some people, my friend Frankie, he will like dance in church, and it's awesome. It's just his genuine response to Jesus. And in some of you, and I like your genuine response to Jesus is like this. Just like barely can smile. You just, it's so hard for you to tell your face that you're happy. And that's okay. We're on like, people are on different ends of the spectrum. But whatever it is and whatever it looks like, it elicits a genuine response to the love of God. The third thing is this, and this is my favorite part, is that all we need is Jesus. I want to go back to Mark chapter 9 again. Starting in verse 7. And a cloud came and overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, this is my beloved son, hear him. Suddenly, when they had looked around, they saw no one anymore, but only Jesus with themselves. That's verse 8. You know, when I was a kid, I would get so frustrated with these transformers. Just could not get them to work the right way. My wife, like I said, she's like phenomenal with fixing stuff. It's very difficult to feel like a competent husband with her around. She'll fix stuff before I have a chance to, and I'll be like, I could have done it. I remember when I was in college, my laptop screen broke, and I was like, okay, well, laptop's done. And uh, she had saved up money, like, raking people's lawns when she was, like, 17 <laughs> to buy me the laptop. And so the screen broke. And I remember watching her. Like, I didn't know this was possible. To some of you, this is, like, common sense. But I watched her, like, take a tiny screwdriver, remove the screen, and put a new screen on the laptop computer. And I was like, but that's the whole computer, though. And I don't know how she fixed it. When I was a kid, I would play with these Transformers. And I, would, and I couldn't get them to work right. I couldn't get the pieces to go right. And I would get there, and I would be so frustrated 
that I would just squeeze tighter and I would try to shove things into place. I don't know if you've ever been there. I remember when my mental health has been just at an all-time low, just trying to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze to make myself feel better. When I've made mistakes that undermine my life, just trying to squeeze and squeeze and squeeze, okay, I, I can fix this, I can make it better. Man, when I was a younger man, I was so angry at myself and all my anger just turned inward and it just boiled and seethed and it just ate at my heart like an acid and it just started, would consume my brain from the inside out because I was angry at myself for being a failure and I knew that I was a failure. But instead of saying, Jesus, thank you that you love me even though I'm messed up, I said, Jesus, I'll be better so you can be proud of me. And, and I would mess things up and I would just squeeze and squeeze. I don't know if you've been there when your marriage is falling apart and you just squeeze or when your kids are sick and you just squeeze or when you're disappointed and you just squeeze or when you spent Christmas grieving a loved one instead of enjoying the holidays and you squeeze and you just try to make things better and you're like, God, I'm going to transform my heart by just squeezing harder. But you can't. It's not possible. That doesn't happen. And I would be playing with my Transformers, and my dad worked. He was a repair person, a technician. And so he worked all day fixing stuff. He's so good at fixing stuff. So frustrating. When he would come home from work, usually you didn't want to bother him with like, hey, can you fix this? Because he spent all day fixing stuff. He's got grease up to his elbows from different machines and stuff and whatever, and his fingers are sore, and he's been shocked by machines and all that stuff. But every once in a while, I'd be in the floor, and I'd be trying to get this guy to turn into a cheetah, and just, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, hands that knew what they were doing would reach over without even me having to ask, and they would start to put pieces in place. And I was amazed at these big, gnarled, Greasy hands could, could handle such a delicate, small thing. And I want to encourage you that God's hands are not too big for your, your small, broken heart. That God's able to step in and that where you cannot fix, God can heal. And where you cannot change, God can transform. And in the presence of God, there's a transfiguration that happens because the glory of God is working its way from the inside out because it's been planted there. That word transfiguration when they talk about Jesus it means what was inside of him became known what was inside of him became revealed and when Jesus plants himself inside of your heart what's inside God begins to work its way out I'm gonna have the keyboard player come up we can finish the message my prayer today and my hope today is that we would say yes to the transformation that Jesus has for us. I don't know what the 10-step process is, but I know a God who can fix and who can heal. I know that God is not waiting for you to fix it. God is inviting you to take a walk with him. 
I also know this. I know that for 33 years, there was no glimpse of the light, the, tr the, the glory of God, that same glory that was in the Ark of the Covenant, that same glory that killed people in the Old Testament. God would warn them. He would say, turn your face away. Don't touch stuff. Don't look because I want you to experience how bright this is, but I don't, I, it's too much for you. And Jesus held that in. And I want to encourage you that maybe Jesus has been holding in something because he's waiting for the right time for the right glory to be revealed and do the right thing in your heart. Maybe the thing that you've been asking for, God has been withholding a little bit of that. Not withholding himself, but withholding some of the glory. And you're wanting to see God, God, how are you going to fix this? God, what are you going to do? God, I just want to see you. And God is saying, just walk with me. And we, when we get where I've decided we're going to go, when we're at the point where I've decided I'm going to reveal myself, I'm going to reveal this and it's going to be life-changing. Maybe God is withholding part of that because he knows if you experience it now, it will kill you, break you, damage you. And he's waiting so that you can experience his glory, his goodness, his love in the right moment. And man, the glory of God, the glory of God is most fully manifest and known through his love for his children. So Jesus, this morning we pray that your transfiguration would bear itself out in us. For those who are grieving and hurting right now because of loved ones they could not spend time with. For those who are hurting and grieving right now because of people that abandoned them over the holidays. For those who are hurting and grieving right now because they spent the holidays dealing with depression and crippling anxiety and hiding in a closet instead of spending time with their loved ones. God, your glory is resting on us. Your glory is resting on people who are in deep need of Jesus. And Jesus, you are all that we need. You've fulfilled everything Moses has done. You've fulfilled everything Elijah has done. We don't have to impress Moses or fix what Elijah has given us anymore. We have a Jesus who's done everything because we're not capable. So God, we praise you for that and we thank you for that. In Jesus' name today, God, we invite and ask that you would turn our eyes to your glory. that the hurting and the broken in our world, in our church, and in our community would see the glory of God resting on them in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. If you got cut off on the live stream, I'm so sorry. If the live stream's still on, it's gonna get cut off soon. You're dismissed. I'm praying that God would send us out whole and healed in Jesus' time and in Jesus' will this week. In his name, amen.